0: What if every leader in your company created a contract or a covenant that stated their obligations to their team? What if every team created a covenant where they shared their obligations as a team with their manager? Certainly, the employee working thousands of miles from the home base would feel more taken care of since he or she would know exactly what to expect from the leader, and they would also have the ability to share with their leader just how the leader is doing. On today's podcast, you will learn how to create a workplace covenant that ensures mutual accountability and success between leaders and teams anywhere. Hello and welcome to another episode of Team Anywhere. I'm your co-host, Mitch Simon on the West Coast, and I've got our amazing co-host, Dr. Virginia Bianco Mathis on the East Coast. And today, today we have um, we have an author. We have an author, a star, a professor, uh, a superman, and it's it's Dr. Timothy (laughs) Franz. And let's face it, many team members feel unsupported by their leaders, and it's the single biggest reason why people quit their job. It also turns out that many leaders feel similarly unsupported by their team. On today's podcast, we have Dr. Timothy Franz, who I just introduced. He and Dr. Seth Silver just co-wrote the book, Meaningful partnerships at work: How the workplace covenant ensures mutual accountability and success between leaders and teams. That's a long title, and I can't wait to dive into learning more about the new covenant for this new way of working. Tim, welcome to Team Anywhere. Thanks for having me. Really appreciate it. Oh, it's, it's great to uh, great to see you. And um, so, Tim yeah, is Thanks, in,
1: Tim. Wonderful. Yeah,
0: Tim is in Rochester. <laughs> so uh he is very far away from San Diego where uh, leaves turn color. We we have our leaves turn color like they turn color like like in April. They fall off the tree and boom, <laughs> the next year we got new leaves. Call, ours ours will be trees. down
2: this week. So yeah. this will be it.
0: Great. So you know I would like to know first of all, uh Tim, um how how did you and your co writer meet? Um and why did you both decide to write a book about meaningful partnership?
2: Well, we've been working together for a long time. I think we met back in 2001, 2002, somewhere around there. I moved to Rochester from my uh, where I worked before this, uh, started teaching at Saint John Fisher, and at the time there was a graduate program here in human resource development. Seth was a half-time faculty member. Uh, and mostly consultant and I was a full-time faculty member and part-time consultant and we always joke about this that he's a uh, a consultant who professes and I'm a professor who consults and so uh, we, <laughs> exactly we've been we've been working together a long time on teaching on research on consulting, on um, so many different things. And we actually live about a mile away from one another, too. And our our daughters just graduated high school together last year. Oh, gosh. It's been a longstanding relationship. Now, how did we get to this book? Yeah. And I'm going to give credit where credit is due to Seth. Uh, This is Seth's idea, this workplace covenant idea. Um, And it really started when he was back working at a um, Fortune 100 technology firm in Rochester, New York. Gee, I wonder.
0: I no wonder uh, that, that could
2: be <laughs> Xerox yeah, or wonder. not, you know. Yeah. So, <laughs> same. Um, so he, he worked at Xerox and he started listening to um, managers talk about their teams. And the managers would say, yeah, I've got a pretty good team, but I wish they'd communicate better. I wish they'd send me more emails. I wish... I wish, I wish, and then he talked to the team members. And the team members would say, yeah, our manager's pretty good, but I wish they'd give us a better vision. I wish they'd support us to leadership. I wish, I wish, I wish. And there was always this in some teams, as you know, very high level of frustration and in some, at least a moderate level of frustration or a little frustration, a two-way street of frustration. And so he started talking with these teams and leaders about their obligations to one another. Now, about 2007, he introduced this concept that the term he developed the workplace covenant, and covenant doesn't have a religious connotation at all, but this workplace covenant, uh, a, a set of agreements based on obligations that carry some level of weight behind them. And Back in two thousand and seven, I'm full time professor. I was doing academic research at the time. I looked at what was happening with this. And I saw the theoretical foundation, why this worked. I could tie it to all these different ideas in my field as an organizational psychologist. And I got really excited about it. So after a few years, because you all know, you you blink and another four years goes by. And we started doing research uh, about the workplace covenant. Uh, We started doing more consulting together about the workplace covenant. And then finally, we started to write the book, and then COVID hit, and we jokingly refer to this as our COVID vacation. Um, we we both COVID ended up we, <laughs> we both ended up with a little extra spare time, nice. and we had started the book before that, but that gave us enough spare time to finish this book. Uh, so we we write about in the book the the process. We actually give it away. Once you read this book, you could actually do the process of the workplace covenant. And while writing the book. We realized that the point, the title changed halfway through writing as long ago. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> um, and so uh, we realized that the book wasn't about the workplace covenant. The workplace covenant is just a tool. To get to this goal of meaningful partnership, uh, to have everybody rowing in the same direction, going on the tracks together, moving together in alignment, and really sticking together and working towards the same thing, working as partners.
0: Wow. I have a question about what you just said, but I I just need to clarify something. Um, Ginny, are you a consultant that professes or a professor that consults?
1: I do both. (laughs) <laughs> I, did, I, I said I'm not, I got a foot in both camps I got All a right. foot in both camps <laughs> right, so and I'll be talking to you later man. <laughs> uh, right. I mean Tim yeah. cool. <laughs> um,
0: so I guess my question going back is you you mentioned um, you mentioned Tim that it's obligations that carry some level of weight behind them so what do you mean mm-hmm. by by that, that the obligations I mean when I think of an obligation it does carry a level of weight but mm-hmm. what do you mean by that in a, in a team setting
2: well, the way we work this process to try to give them this uh, obligatory sense of weight is, first of all, people have more buy-in to things they develop. Mm-hmm. So a team separately works on their expectations of their team leader and then lists their obligations to the team leader. And the, te- the leader separately mm-hmm does the same thing. What are my expectations of the team? What are my obligations to the team? And then those lists, through a a facilitated dialogue, are merged. The leader lists their obligations to the team, and the team says, well, here are our expectations. Those lists are usually about 70 to 80% overlapping, and the expectations are merged into the leader obligations.
0: Wow, and and how does a team... Monitor and work through when um, obligation and expectations are met and then when they 're not met
2: well, one of the things I love about this process is so many organization development interventions are one shot deals and i i 'm going to criticize myself okay. you know some work I did, which you know we 've all done this job. I was working with a nonprofit locally and this was not with Seth about five or six years ago, and after three sessions with this group uh, that was having conflict and communication problems. They, they said, well, this is great. We love your ideas. We love what you're doing, but how do we keep it going? Mm -hmm. And I said, well, I'd love it if you had me in again, but that's, you know, that's the leaders in the organization's job. And if we talked about this every three months, we would change the culture. Mm -hmm. That is the key is this workplace covenant. The leader has obligations to the team. It's signed. The team has obligations to the leader. They're signed. And then on both an informal and formal basis, every two to three months formally and informally in one-to-ones or team meetings, you revisit this covenant, and I wish I had mine to Seth. It's at my home office, but I could hold up my my covenant to Seth and show in the video. Um, wow. It's on my wall. Uh, he has a covenant to me, and it's on his wall. And we take these things seriously about our working together. Now, we're friends, but we still developed one around working together on this book. So it's on the wall. You bring it up in the one-to-ones. You bring it up in the team meetings. In fact, we just worked with a team. Um working there about two hours away and we just worked with this team and they are going to put their covenants at the top of the agenda as the first item Beautiful. for every meeting. So it's this constant revisiting. And at first that facilitated dialogue between the team and the leader, it, it's great to have somebody in between, but Our job is good. OD people is to work ourselves out of business. By the fourth review, they should be doing it on their own. And um, we're going to be putting some videos up on LinkedIn. And one of the members talks about how every two or three weeks he'd go to the covenant. It took four minutes at the beginning of the the meeting. Um, How are we doing up, down, in the middle? Um, And they got it done. They said, "Okay, this is what we'll do better. Blah, blah, blah. Moved on. To the I like casket.
0: that. I like that's so. so easy to just in a meeting, just kind of go, okay, how we doing? Thumbs up, thumbs down. Hey, we're 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 great, awesome, or we suck, awesome. Uh, Jean, Jean, do you have a, a question?
1: Yeah, the yeah, yeah. uh, question input. I have found and see if uh, I'm thinking, I'm hearing what you all try to do. You facilitate the team and the leader through the process of the covenants, and then I think the the real punch as an OD consultant is now, what are you going to do with it? How do you make it real? Even just putting it on the agenda is like one of four maybe things we have to do on a regular basis. How do we know? Um, I, I, when you said, um, uh, we have found, I have found that, yeah, I may have to be there like four times. Uh, wait a minute. Uh, do you want to rephrase that, Bob? Um, given Covenant Number Four, right? And then they learn how to do that. And then, as a good OD consultant, you you move out because hopefully they've they've been coached towards those skills.
2: Absolutely, and that is the goal—to coach them to do the skills. Now, the first, sometimes in some teams that are really struggling. Those those first meetings are really tough. And the first meeting to develop the covenant, uh, you can see them change by the first covenant review. You can see their demeanor change, their behavior change. But you still, you know, those first covenant reviews do take about an hour. They take some time. Um, but over time, and Mitch, as you said earlier, um, it, you know, five minutes at the beginning of the meeting, it could be boom, boom. I need to fix this. I'll try to do it by doing this. Boom, move on. Okay, And it becomes this, instead of two-way street of frustration, it's a two-way street of feedback and ongoing feedback. In fact, I just did a presentation for St. John Fisher here where I was talking about feedback because they were talking about annual evaluations. And I said, feedback is not a one-shot deal at annual evaluations. It's an ongoing conversation. You constantly have to be Building that trust by giving ongoing positive feedback. Here's what's going well. Here's what's going well. Because as soon as you have to give some developmental one, you're going to make some withdrawals on that trust bank account.
0: You know what I love, I love about this because I do work with um, some really good companies where the the leader, you know, after let's say a one on one, you know, these, you know, high, higher developed leaders will say, Hey, how, you know, okay, well, you know, that uh, now that I've given you direct report. Um, some feedback. Um, can you give me some feedback? And, and usually they're like, well, I don't know what to say. Now with this covenant, it's like, well, let me just pull out the covenant. I mean, now I understand what your expectations to me are. And I can tell you, you know, item number four, um, that yeah, you're actually meeting my expectations or, or you're not meeting my expectations. The thing is, is that if those expectations aren't clear, then I really don't know how you're doing or how you're doing is really just my opinion about anything.
2: Right. And this gets those expectations to be completely explicit. No longer do you have that implicit expectation where you have violated. I can remember on my 2000, back in 2000, I violated uh, an implicit expectation here at my department. I write about it in one of my other books. It's a really funny story, Um, but I violated it. I had no idea because it was an implicit expectation. Um, So this gets all those things out on the table and it does, it creates this system for feedback that is psychologically safe.
1: Oh, Uh, I love that that, You know, that importance of psychological
2: safety to make teams move forward. It's psychologically safe at the beginning because the team is working together and you're not saying uh, Mitch did this or Ginny did that and said that and did this. It's, it's the team wants you to do this. The team wants you to do that. Right. I like um, that. And so that starts it off on the foundation of psychological safety. And then, as you said, Mitch, it's perfect because the ongoing discussion is one that everybody gets used to.
1: And and what you're doing um, as the coach, OD, consultant, both, is role modeling. When you are helping them putting that covenant together, you're helping them also with the language of the feedback. You're helping them with, well, what do you mean by that?
0: (laughs) And then by
1: their third meeting, they hopefully are learning. Well, let's get more explicit. Do we mean this shade of that covenant or this shade of that covenant? What does it mean for us? Yeah. Yep. So, yep. And you said that at the beginning. It is a powerful tool that gets to all the right things.
2: Right. That gets to um, helping people to have, we talk about the foundations for this. It it creates empathy. It creates respect. It creates trust. It aligns the leader and the team. Those are the four foundations, the, the psychological foundations of why this works and creates this level. This tool creates this level of meaningful partnership that so many leaders and teams want,
0: but don't know how to get there. Right. Yeah. So Thanks. I I want to I want to ask cuz uh we are the the Team Anywhere show. Uh I'd love to ask how um how you've seen this impact virtual teams or hybrid teams.
2: Well, this is this is a good question because before COVID, we did this face to face. Sure, And then lockdown. Yep. And uh again giving credit to my colleague friend co-author Seth, uh he was <clears throat> on, uh, uh, he was in a group right then where they were halfway through, they had done their covenant, but no reviews yet. And so it was a real quick transition. And Seth and I worked together to uh, help figure out how to do this in an online environment. And since then we have moved this to an online environment. We can do it fully partially. Uh, you know, this is, I started teaching remotely before lockdown. So I had some of these remote skills to begin with and we learned pretty quickly how to make this work in a hybrid or fully online environment. Right now, we're uh, we're working with an organization that's probably, Jenny, closer to you than it is to us. Uh, we're never going down there. Uh, we talked about it, but they've got some people who are fully virtual on that team. And right. we'll never make it there because there's no reason for us to go in if...
1: I'm doing that now, too.
2: And so it's amazing how well that works. Uh, I, I was shocked, to be honest, at how well this works in an online environment. It does require a lot more dialogue and talking. It does slow the process down, as we find with any virtual work. Virtual work slows teams down some. But it, it does work. It works great. We've had success with it since. Again, if you had asked me this in twenty nineteen, my answer would have been very different. But we've all learned how to make these sure. these these things work
0: uh, now. It seems it seems that um, you know if I'm you know if I'm remote and I'm in some place like Rochester, um, <laughs> and you know my boss is in I don't know Washington D.C. or Virginia, and it just it gives me a, a sense of clarity about my relationship with my boss. And also my relationship with my company because there's, you know, a lot of people would say, well, you know, there's your company values, which they're nice. Um, it seems to Tim that now I am very very clear what my what my expectations are um, to the to the team, but but even more so, I'm very clear what my expectations are from my boss to me. Mm-hmm. So then I don't feel so confused and alone and isolated. Um, but I feel like there's a covenant right there's a there's a promise uh, and I'm, I'm just i'm just wondering if you 've actually experienced maybe higher retention be, because teams have a covenant versus teams that don't i don 't know if you've noticed anything about that Tim. Um,
2: yes, we have seen people well um, we have seen people there are some great stories in the book uh, about covenant procedures that we 've done, and we have seen people who are on their way out survive and thrive after the covenant. We have seen people who, one of the stories, somebody left at the end of the covenant, and that actually was, in in a very sad way, that was, uh, turns out to help the team succeed. Um, But we we have direct evidence that shows that teams' uh, conflict goes down, engagement goes up, Team performance goes up. Teams are uh, more aligned and work together as partners. We lay all that out in the book, but our, our research shows that this works, that it wow. does make a
0: difference for teams. All right. You're making yeah. me want to buy this book. Oh, I'm, I'm, um, not,
1: I'm buying it. I'm having my students right. buy it.
0: Cindy's on Amazon right now. There <laughs> it is. He's pointing to it. So, all right. All right. He's buying it. Yeah. Well, you know, you're, you're talking to two... Uh, Consultant professors. I'm actually just a consultant. <laughs> well, you know, my, my first question was as I as I was learning more about you, is uh, I'm going to read the the if we have enough time, Jenny, on the podcast, I'm going to read the title of the book again. So, meaningful partnership at work: how the workplace covenant ensures mutual accountability and success between leaders and teams. Whew, I'm tired. So the um so the the first the first two words says meaningful partnership at work. It doesn't say meaningful partnerships at work. And so I really want to understand what does meaningful partnership mean and and why it's singular and not plural
2: this was actually a it's kind of funny you picked picked yeah, up on that because I'm, I'm it was a, him, right? yeah it was a long conversation it was Seth and I talked as we changed again changed the title of the book from uh, focusing on the workplace covenant and saying well that's only a tool to this idea of partnership uh, because the ideas though can certainly be used to Across multiple teams where you have multiple covenants and multiple partnerships, it really is a relationship, this uh, bi-directional, this two-way relationship between you and another person, whether it's you and a customer, you and another team, uh, the, somebody else on another team, it really does have to do with this idea of, uh, I'm an individual, I have a partnership with another person, The the model we often use, and as you picked up on, is, is the team leader to the team. And that can be a CEO to the executive team, or a frontline supervisor to the people on the floor.
0: Great. And, and uh, you know, I always talk about some of the work that I do as I'm really trying to build uh, collaboration. What, you know, on a team, so what's the difference between a meaningful partnership and just collaboration or just collaboration? Like what, how would I, how would I see that happening different on a team?
2: Well, we think that collaboration is part of meaningful partnership. So you're talking about building collaboration and a meaningful partnership is an elevated sense of connection, cohesion, and collaboration. Uh, That is the goal, that people are more connected at work, that they're more cohesive, and as a result, can collaborate more. So it's not just collaboration, but it's this idea of an elevated sense of collaboration.
0: I love, um, I'm learning this for the first time, but I love that sense of connection, Uh, you know, in addition to collaboration, which again, again, is one of the things that Jenny and I are finding from this podcast is, that seems to be the first thing that was necessary, uh, with, with, um, with hybrid and virtual work Mm -hmm. and perhaps, you know, it's always been necessary. Um, it just hasn't been talked about. And I I do think, you know, these days it, it almost goes without saying that if you're not creating connection, then, you know, number one, you're not going to have collaboration, but number two, your, your employees are just going to take off and go find it somewhere else.
2: And right now, that's what we're seeing. In fact, a a, a program Seth and I did back in April, we Mm -hmm. predicted this um, idea of people leaving, especially for these leaders who aren't working towards, who who aren't recognizing the alien isolation that people felt during COVID, um, that really changed how they looked at their job um, and made them really rethink this idea of employment. Uh, So, it really exacerbated issues that already existed. The issues were there and this made it worse. And now we've yes. got leaders who are making, who, who wanted their employees to do all this work remotely for 18 months and we trust you to do it. We trust you to do it. And now they're calling them back and saying, we don't trust you. Even though we had to trust you, we don't trust you. And so it's been this inter- Some leaders just, I think, don't get the, The idea of the importance of connection at work. We are social beings. Here's where you get the um, social and organizational psychologist at the, at the bottom of my truly soul somewhere is, uh, people want connection. People want, we're social beings. They want that social connectedness, uh, whether it's remotely, which works now we found out, or whether it's face to face, different people want different levels of each.
0: Wow. So Tim, I, I, I gotta, I gotta follow up on that. So would you now define employment as something different? Cause you know, back in the day, employment was you, you do that thing, you build those widgets, I pay you. Um, is employment now something different? Is it a different covenant or must it be a different covenant? Yeah, that's
2: an interesting question. I think it's still an exchange relationship okay. at its foundation. It's an exchange relationship, but absolutely People want more from their work than simply an exchange relationship. And, and there, there a lot of people talk about the generational differences. And most of the time, the generale- generational differences are, you know, <laughs> I'm, all, I, I'm getting near 60 and it's I'm getting near 60 and these people are at a different point in their life. It's not really generation, it's age. But there are some and what we're seeing in this new generation is they do want more. They want more self-guidance in their career. They want more uh, vacation. They'll take a job with more vacation and lower pay. Whereas, uh, you know, me, the the cusp of the boomers many years ago, um, it was all about pay and recognition and hard effort. And and it has changed. I think the nature of work has changed. And even people like me who grew up in that, uh, you know, cutting their teeth, so to speak, in the late eighties, uh, era, um, it's changed.
0: So, wow. uh, Jenny, we gotta, we gotta write an article on, uh, the, no. new, the new definition of employment because yeah, I think, uh, this is what this is pointing to. Oh, totally. So, so I'd love to ask uh, another question. Uh, so what do, what do you and Seth hope to accomplish with this book?
2: Well, really, we would love the workplace covenant and meaningful partnership to become words that are used regularly in an ongoing way at work. Uh, I, I really... Uh, speaking very frankly. uh, For years I did, uh, you know, somewhere behind me in this video where you can see, and the the listeners can't, there's a blue binder that says publications, and there are a whole bunch of academic publications, which are great, and I love that people do that academic research, but really uh, I've looked at my career and reflected, and I want to make a difference not just do another publication, I want to make a difference in the world. And People go to work and so many people are dissatisfied, disengaged, um, and they don't want to be there and they're miserable when they go home. And I'm going to, you know, my mom died years ago, but I'm going to pick on her anyway for a little while. She used to say she threw her work troubles over the bridge on the way home. And uh, now as an organizational psychologist, I, I think she did it fairly well, worked with heroin addicts in her life, but I, it, that's so hard for most people. We don't throw our troubles over the bridge on the way home. If things are bad at work, it affects our our spouse, our partner at home, our kids at home, our, our, our pets at home. And this book, I think, has the ability to make positive change for so many people at work. And so it, it's kind of been a change in my whole career trajectory by writing this book. Because all of a sudden, I feel like it's something important that I'm doing. Uh, and not, again, not that academic research is not important, but you know I've got some papers I think four people have read. And a lot more people have read this book already.
0: <laughs> wow.
1: That's very it, practical. Mm-hmm. And it came out at the right time, did it not? We're oh, looking totally for the redefinition agree. of work. And this fits right in into that. It's a marvelous tool.
2: Absolutely. I think you hit right on it.
0: So uh, what what is the one thing you would hope that people would do right away um, to take this idea of a meaningful partnership or a covenant uh, and and put it into action?
2: Actually, read the book. And uh, again, we've given away the process. Mm -hmm. You can do this on your own. It's easier to have an outside facilitator. uh, But I think if people really put into action the things that we talk about, try to get those obligations spelled out so they're they're not implicit, so they're explicit, and it focuses on instead of my expectations, it focuses on my obligations, what I have to do. This is an important change in how we view how we work together. What do I owe you so that you can feel supported, and be successful. It does change the nature of the relationship so that people have this meaningful partnership.
0: That's great. Uh, Okay. So I want to know, how can we find you? How can we find the book? How can we find Seth?
2: (laughs) Okay. So all of, uh, well, first of all, Seth and I are both very active on LinkedIn. We've been having, we've been publishing a lot of articles, these podcasts. So my LinkedIn is Tim Franz Consulting, Tim Franz Consulting. Um, Seth's LinkedIn is, uh, looking it up very quickly, is uh, Seth R. Silver Edd um, is his LinkedIn. And like I said, we're both very active. He has a website, um, Silver Consulting Inc. I have a website, teambuildingprocess.com. So uh, we are pretty easy to get a hold of. And of course, I, I also, as a college professor, as, uh, <laughs> as you know, JD, um, my information is out there publicly. Say Fisher College. I am easy to find. Uh so those are the best ways. Neither of us are really active on Twitter, um, but LinkedIn um and our websites. You can get the book at Amazon um or direct from our publisher, uh, which is that conglomeration of Taylor and Francis, Rutledge, Corwin, and Productivity Press, our all little piece. Now. Yeah, they're yeah. all together now. Right. Yeah.
0: That's great, yeah. And the book came out. I'm looking on Amazon. It came out on August 27, 2021. so a brand new book, yeah. and uh, gosh, this has been fun. Oh, a lot, excellent. I learned That's a lot. It's been real fun. Well, great. So, uh, thank you so much, Tim. Uh, please send our uh, highest regards to your to your partner, Seth. Um, we want to uh, thank you, Jenny. Um, we, Jenny, we all want to thank everybody. Um, I want to thank our listeners. Uh, who have been? Uh, I think we're going to hit about six thousand downloads this wow. this month, which is pretty yeah. cool. It's November now as we as we record this, and uh, so if you if you've loved our podcast, please share it with your pets, uh, as as Tim pointed out, um, and your your colleagues and your friends and your family. Um, please give us a um, a rating uh, five stars, and we look forward to seeing you on the next episode of Team Anywhere.